0: In this Q&A episode of the Physiology and Behaviour show, I chat with Thea, who is conducting her first meta-analysis. We cover the value of learning meta-analysis, the difference between small study bias and publication bias, leave one analyses, uh, using the R meta-analysis mailing list to get answers to your questions, and the benefits of Twitter. Hope you enjoy it. Walk me through the meta-analysis that you're that you're trying to do.
1: Yeah, uh, so in the nutshell, we're trying to see how leadership style changes with the age of the leader. And I think I mentioned to you that we found several uh, likely moderators, such as the followers age and um, the gender of the leader. Um, And some other, uh, we looked at some DVs like outcomes and satisfaction, but uh, we don't have that many studies in the sample that look at that. So I think we'll be very underpowered.
0: Um and the, the the file you sent me actually had uh, quite a lot of studies from from memory so it's uh, it seems like you're going to have quite a large meta analysis which is which is good.
1: Yeah, I'm excited. I spent a year looking for uh these wow. so I w- I'm very happy that I was able to find those, but the meta analysis has been really challenging. I think it's taking me longer to learn how to do it than <laughs>
0: But look, I think it's a fantastic skill to have, um, because a lot of people, when they do it, um, it's, it's one of those things that you can actually transfer between so many different subfields and so many different fields. So if you, if you can get these skills down, it's actually, it's actually quite valuable. Um, and yeah, I mean, I know how it is. Once you, once you learn it, you almost want to apply it for, for, for for different areas just because you've gone to all that trouble of of putting it together. But it's, it's definitely worth, um, I, I think, Doing um, learning meta analysis, particularly through R and Metaphor, was kind of like my gateway drug of getting into R because it was so easy, and I'm like, "Ah, oh, it's fantastic!" And so now I'll do everything else in in, in R as well. But um, but yeah, so no, the um the it sounds like a really uh, really interesting research project. Um, and so so ha- how long did it take you to actually go through and and, and gather all the studies and, and extract all the data?
1: Yeah, so I started January 2017, and I finished this summer. So it's almost okay. a year.
0: Wow. Yeah, I think people forget. P- people often say, oh, you know, these people that are doing meta-analyses for their masters and PhDs, it's, it's the easy way out. It's yeah. not. <laughs> it's not at all.
1: <laughs> it's not at all easy. Um, but it, as you said, it's a great, it's a great skill to have. Um, and especially nowadays, there's so many, I don't know, so many domains that we research and, you know, we have to like be able to to extract some meta, you know, finding from them because there, there's so many incremental stuff that has been done nowadays that
0: it's hard mm.
1: to, to follow.
0: Now you so so you're looking at the relationship um, between different between different leadership styles and um and and different and different outcomes. So what was your main overall outcome? Uh, it, it was a, it's a correlational meta analysis, but w- what's your main overall outcome that you're interested in?
1: Um, so, I we thought that we were going to get transformational leadership to be the most prevalent among older leaders, uh, but I'm not okay. finding anything like that. I only find that, so as you told me to separate the um, the styles into different files, I hmm. also found an effect for um, passive leadership. Um, Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. And, um, and, um, um, there is this component of transactional leadership. I don't know if you're familiar with, um uh, so it's called, um, uh, M-B-E-P, which is again, passive form of leadership, another like subtype of passive. Um, mm-hmm. and it also, um, um, you know, it's basically if a leader makes an inappropriate comment to you or if it, the leader is aggressive or something like that. So it's okay. also similar.
0: Yeah, I did, I did organizational psych uh-huh. during undergrad, but that, that, that was, that was quite a while ago. Um, but, uh, but uh, one thing that was interesting about your data file was that you'd actually extracted, um, um, a few different effect sizes from, from the same study. And like, like I mentioned to you, um, you can get a, a lot of, um, effect size dependency. So you can't actually combine those two studies together um but i I, th- I think in your situation um it's best to actually do these these separate analyses and actually find out okay w- what is the relationship between these factors such as um such as sex such as age yes. um with um with with, with with these different leadership styles um i think that's definitely the way to go um you you mentioned you also mentioned that you're you expecting um, a strong relationship with, with one of the styles. Transformational? Was that it?
1: Yeah, transformational.
0: But you didn't find it. So I, I think in that context, quite often when you have these non-significant, non-significant results, the, th- the thing with these non-significant results is you can't actually figure out is it, whether it's due to a low sample size or whether you actually do have a- equivalence or, or no effect whatsoever. So in this, in this circumstance, I would actually recommend there's a, there's a great R package, which is super easy to use. Take it from someone who like, went from SPSS to R. Uh, it's called Tosta. Yeah. And what it does is it actually, um, it helps look at equivalence between. So, uh, or it hel- helps look at whether there's actually evidence for a null effect, so to speak. Um, so if, if, if within your field it, it's to be expected, then, then you, you when you submit your meta analysis, you're probably going to get a reviewer going, Oh, well, it's non-significant, but what does that teach us? But if you actually use, um, this, this R package, you can actually determine is this or you can, Get a better idea whether this is due to low sample size or whether there is actually evidence for um statistical um equivalence for your effects. So um basically with Toster, all you do is you extract the effect sizes that you're already going to be calculating within Metaphor, and then you basically put those effect sizes um within um within one of the um uh functions within Toster, and then it can actually tell you. Um, these things. So yeah, I I would look into it. I I can send you some. Um, I'll send you some documents about that. Um, but it's a really handy way of looking at evidence for a null effect.
1: Yeah. So when you say um, you're extracting these effect sizes, you mean uh, the YI and
0: No. So so basically, okay. So um. This is the summary effect size. So, yeah. when you're actually performing your, your meta-analysis, you're going to get um, with your with correlational meta-analyses mm-hmm. what you need to do, which, which which is what you've done, is you basically get the effect sizes, mm-hmm. um, convert them into a measure, uh, an, an effect size measure, yes. um, and a measure of variance. So that that's within metaphor. that's um, y i and vi. Okay. Um. Then then you perform the meta-analysis on these uh, Fisher transformed z values. Mm-hmm. Um, and then at the end, um, you actually back transform the, and you can do this within metaphor. You can back transform the Fisher Z values into Pearson's R because most people, um, have a, you know, a general understanding of what a low, medium or, or strong Pearson's R effect size is. Um, and, but the thing is Fisher Z and Pearson's R at low effect sizes are basically the same. But once you start hitting around 0.5, then they start diverging a bit. So that's why you want to convert back. Yeah. Um but then when it comes to Toster, then what you do is you actually get the Pearsons R that you've generated and then you can put that within tostar Um and then um and, and 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 look at your evidence. But that that's kind of a secondary thing. But basically, um yeah, so so with your meta-analysis, um you with the script that you sent me, basically you're almost there, but there was just a little bit more to do. Yeah. Um so you need to actually use the ESCalc um function to uh, generate the effect sizes and the variance. Mm-hmm. And then you actually perform your meta analysis based on those two measures. Yeah. Um, w- which is that, and that, that's the that's the last step, which, which, um, uh, wasn't exactly clear with, with, with yeah. the script that you sent. but it's, 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 an easy fix. So that's fine.
1: Yeah. So I did follow your instructions for the new, the separated, um, uh, leadership style. So I did calculate, um, the wine, um, uh, the effect size and the variance. Mm-hmm. And then I ran my regression based on those. Excellent. Um, that's the
0: way to go. And I think the yeah, the final step is doing the back transform uh-huh. um from uh, it's like it's like a one-line command. It, it, yeah, you, you'll be able to find that within the, the metaphor documentation or, or or I can just send it to you. Yeah. Um so it basically just back transforms um Fisher Z. And that's very handy because when you actually present your um uh your forest plot, um people when they see the forest plot and they see Fisher Z, they're like, oh what does that mean? But then when when you back transformed it to Pearson's R, people are like oh Pearson's R, I know what this means. Yeah. So you can actually you can actually look at those um l- look at those relationships there.
1: Okay, so I first back transform and then do the forest plot.
0: Yeah, I think you can actually do that within one command when you're actually um, um when you're, when you're actually plotting the forest plot. From memory, you can do that. But um, okay. um yeah, it's look in reality it doesn't matter that much because Fisher's Z and Pearson's R at low value, I think around 0.25, they start diverging. So you should be okay um now have you have you thought about small small study bias ways of measuring that with like uh
1: I haven't
0: <laughs> that's going to be really important um because you, you want to make sure um I mean you, you've probably seen in the literature people always talking about publication bias yeah. um but, but but quite often people confuse publication bias with small study bias so when we're actually looking at um, funnel plots and looking at funnel plot asymmetry, a lot of people will sort of say, oh, well, my funnel plot is is symmetrical. Therefore, there's no evidence of, of um, publication bias. But the thing is, these plots only actually measure um, small study bias, which can in- happen to include publication bias. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so I- I- in this context, it's, re- it's really important, firstly, to um, plot these um, funnel plots. And it's mm-hmm. super easy to do within metaphor. Mm-hmm. Um, secondly, to also do a more objective measure like egg as a regression test. And that'll actually give you an objective measure of... Um, is there a symmetry in this plot? And then you can say, okay, for, for these meta analyses, there is or there isn't evidence of um um uh, of of small study bias. Um now there are ways that you can actually check for publication bias within those funnel plots, and this is what's called a contour enhanced funnel plot. I can send you the code for that. Super easy to run within metaphor. I think, um,
1: um, I think you have that on the YouTube video that
0: you- y- Yes, probably. Yes, that's that's probably that. Yeah. yeah. So, with that, you can actually visualize because it, it looks very suspicious if all the field has all these effect sizes around sort of 0.04, 0.04, 0.04, 0.04 0.03, um, and doing that visualization um, is, is a way of doing that. Um, now, there are, other, there are other ways that you can more explicitly look at the risk of publication bias. Um, and they, these are called um, one's called P curve and one's called P uniform as well. Um, but um, yeah, so you can you, you, you can you can look into them. Um, but that's 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 a whole separate thing. But within Metaphor, if you want to really visualize what's happening um, when it comes to the risk mm-hmm. of publication bias, um, then I would look at the uh, contour enhanced funnel plots. So
1: just to make sure they understand it, I would want all of my studies to be in the funnel graph and to be symmetrical.
0: Uh, they don't necessarily have to. I mean, it, it's it's better. Anything that's outside the funnel plot, uh, outside the funnel, is suggestive of an outlier.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, there are actual outlier diagnostics within Metaphor, mm-hmm. so it can tell you whether a study um, is a potential outlier. Um, what I what I would do as well is, I mean, you have a lot of studies within within your meta analysis, so the risk of outliers. Or the risk of an outlier having an effect on your summary effect size is lower. But what you can do is what's called a leave one out analysis. And within metafor, what that does is that it goes through and performs the analysis again and again, except it leaves one leaves one study out. Now, if say if you have a significant overall effect, but you don't have that when one study's out, then that sort of suggests that maybe um, your meta analysis isn't as robust. So what I would do is I would run these leave one out analyses. And double check that not one one study tends to um, dominate the overall effect size.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. Um, I have a question in terms of interactions. Um, mm-hmm. So I did not fi- with the older script. I did find um, interactions, but not with the new way that I ran them. Uh, uh, but I guess if I do find an interaction, how do I approach it? Is it like the regular regression to look for simpler slopes and significance and etc. Or
0: yeah, so you can, you can look for significance much in the same way, like, like any linear regression. Um, but, um, you do need a lot of, a lot of studies for that to be meaningful. Um, because, um, those kind of things tend to be underpowered. I think with the amount of studies that you, that you sent me, you're sort of on the border. Um, so looking at interactions is one of those things I'd probably still do it, but then I would actually say in the discussion, Hey, we did an interaction. Um, it was significant. It was non-significant, but it's likely that our study is underpowered. So, you know, we should take this with a grain of salt. Um, but you can look at those interaction effects, but, um, this can be an issue, um, especially if you actually demonstrate, um, I don't actually remember, but if you, if you, if you demonstrate a lot of study heterogeneity, then, um, when it comes to meta-analyses, um, Statistical power, another thing to think about is heterogeneity. The more heterogeneous studies are, the less power you have. But if for some reason you have, um, very, very little heterogeneity, say, Say you were combining all the studies from one lab, then your power actually increases. So yeah, it's, it's, it's one of those things that like these interaction effects, you actually do need a a, a lot of studies. But I mean, hey, it's worth looking at. It's not like you've got five studies. You've got quite a few studies, but you just want to make sure that, Hey, you know, we're not, we're not too careful with these, um, with these effects here.
1: So have you actually done this analysis uh, your interaction? uh
0: i haven't uh for, for none of my research questions I've actually done these interactions mm-hmm. um but i mean yeah it, it's something that that's relatively straightforward to do within metaphor um but I don't have any any sort of examples out there but yeah. um yeah but uh it, it's it's very doable.
1: yeah I honestly haven't found anything else i I looked a lot on um github and um like a lot of d c s websites that they post um, okay. Codes, but I haven't found anything that I was able to use.
0: I would, um, I would have a look at the um, the uh, meta meta analysis arm mailing list. Um, okay. this is this is a really handy mailing list. Um, when I'm absolutely stuck and I can't find any answers anywhere, um, that that that's my that that's what I do. And basically, um, I almost always get a response. Um, the guy who wrote metaphor is extremely active on this mailing okay. list. Wow. um as well as a lot of other people um that 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 are very very bright and um i've had answers que- uh, i've had questions uh, answered on there um within within days so any time that you're completely stumped um i would actually just ask a question on the mailing list um, but it's also important that you actually um have a have a look through some of the other examples of how people ask questions because you want to actually include a few lines of here's my here's my data here's what i've tried and here's what's not working type stuff
1: mm-hmm that
0: sounds like a very useful uh, source. It's amazing. It's I, I can't believe it's free. It's it's <laughs> it's, it's, it's it's incredible um, because and it's public, so people can actually look back and you can you can go through the. I would actually have a quick check through the archives because the, 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 there's a chance that um um that somebody um has actually um answered or asked this question before um and I I only learned this myself recently, but there's actually a way that you can sort of you can, within Google you can actually search within websites. I think it's like website. Colon and search term, so you can actually search within all the archives or the mailing list. Um, interaction metaphor, and then something will pop up.
1: That's Im- that's amazing.
0: Yeah, yeah. So check check it out. It's a, it's 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 a really good resource. But um, um but yeah.
1: And um, in your email, you said um to look for um. Uh, uh, I'm having a little trouble finding it, but um. To compute the summary of effect sizes. Uh, so, oh yeah, yeah. Inspect the differences. Um, is that that's not the funnel plot, right?
0: Um. So this is the differences between the correlations.
1: Yes. Yeah. Formal statistical comparison.
0: Yeah. So so basically, um, quite often what what happens occasionally is that people will perform, say, you know, five. They'll look at five tests, and two of them will be significant, and three of them won't be. But they'll actually argue, well, the two that are significant are actually more stronger than the three that aren't. But that's that's not necessarily true. You want to actually st- statistically compare these correlations. There's an excellent package called COCOR, C-O-C-O-R. And it's um, it's actually got a really good companion website. Um, so, you can basically go to the website. Um, it'll ask you what sort of correlations you're wanting to compare. In, in your circumstance, you're comparing dependent correlations because they come from the same study, but they're not shared because they're yeah so they're, they're correlations that you, you're, you're comparing four different variables but two of them aren't shared from the same population. You put in the, um, uh, the number and the um, uh, and the Pearson's R and it'll actually calculate for you is there a difference bet- between these two so that, that, that that's one way. That I, that I can think of, I haven't actually applied that for meta-analysis, but I'm I'm assuming that the um the principles will be the same. But it's just really important not to sort of um there's a name there's a name for it, but not 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 just sort of um uh, mistake differences in significance for being significantly different. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and one way of doing that is actually what you can do is, is actually plot the summary effect size and the confidence intervals side by side, so you can actually visualise and say, oh well, wow, this this particular type of leadership actually has a really strong correlation, but perhaps the confidence intervals actually overlap between the different things and there's not much of a difference. So, just first I'll just visualize it and see what it looks like. Um, and then after that, you can actually go... You, you can look at ways of actually um, formally comparing the differences in these effect sizes.
1: I see. But it wouldn't be a problem since they're in seven separate uh, uh, files.
0: Well, yeah, because basically you, you extract... The, the summary statistics from those tests. Um, now, one problem with that is you you'll have the problem of multiple testing. Yeah. Um, so, you want to actually figure out some way to correct multiple testing. So, um, if you're doing- If you're doing seven comparisons, that, that that's quite a lot. So, um, typically in these situations, you would do a Bonferroni correction for the amount of tests that you're doing. But because you're doing a lot of comparisons, if you're actually comparing seven things, then Bonferroni might be a bit a bit too conservative. So otherwise, I would actually do an FDR correction. Um, with an FDR correction, it looks at it, it's a little, it's a it's it's looking at the false discovery rate, and it's a little, it's not as conservative as a, as a Bonferroni correction. And you you you'll put in, uh, I'm not sure how many comparisons that would be. Um, around, around oh, twenty or thirty. And then you put that in and then it will actually tell you, okay, of all these things, um, of, all, of all these comparisons of, of these p-values, um, these three p-values survive, you know, survive multiple correction. So, um, there are R packages for that. There's also, like, I think there's online calculators for, 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 for calculating FDR corrected p-values. So, that, 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 that's something I would look at as well. Um, another thing that you can do, which will, which will help you at the review stage, is to actually post your R code um, online as well. Um, you know, c- quite often we get this sense that reviewers are out to get us, but, but quite often they want to help us. Um, so the, sometimes I review papers and I have no idea what, what, what the author is trying to do. <laughs> Other times I review papers. I have no, no idea what they're trying to do, but then I look at their R code because they post it and I'm like, ah, oh, now I see, <laughs> I can go through it and I can actually see, ah, oh, here's where you made a mistake. I suggest you, sh- you try this instead. So you can actually help yourself by posting the R code. Um, and also posting the data online on, on somewhere like open science framework. Because um, then, if you do that, um, then uh, then your reviewers can can help you out, um, and um, and yeah, it's just I mean I I, I think it's really important, especially for meta analyses for this stuff to be open, um, because um, it's just it's just good for reproducibility. Maybe in, in three years' time, someone else wants to do this meta analysis, or maybe you want to revisit it in three years' time, uh, adding new studies. But then you go, cool, here's the data. It, it's not lost on a file somewhere. Um, yeah, so it's 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 nice to have it on, on online there.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um have you thought of teaching an online class on meta-analysis? <laughs>
0: um oh, i not a little bit but 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 not much. It's uh it 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 will just take a lot of time. Um I've only, I've only got I've got most stuff when it comes to correlational stuff and a bit a bit for effect sizes, but things that I don't do as much is odds ratios and that's 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 used a little bit for um uh for it, particularly in medicine. So I'm I'm actually reading up more about odds ratios and how to do that. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 something I'm considering, um, but, um, yeah, perhaps, perhaps, perhaps in the future sometime.
1: Yeah, it would be very helpful. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 it's I'm, I'm not a statistician <laughs> by any, by any stretch of the imagination. Um, but I mean, it's something that I apply, um, within my own research, uh, quite a fair bit.
1: Honestly, I would have been lost without your YouTube videos and without your help. Now,
0: <laughs> no, I'm, 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 re- I'm really glad that's, um, that, 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 that's been able to help you out. Um, but, um, uh, but yeah, I, I think you, I think you're on the right track. But the most important thing is, um, make sure you're checking for small study bias using using Egger's regression test. Um, also make sure, um, you're following, um, ha- have a look at the PRISMA guidelines. So, the, the, these are reporting guidelines, and the good thing about these guidelines is they don't tell you. How to run your meta analysis, but they do tell you what you should be reporting and the decisions that went into what what you aren't and aren't reporting. Yeah. Um, and it, it's just, a, it's a real, quite often when people are reviewing it, they kind of half expect to see all the information that you would see from a meta analysis that has actually followed these guidelines. Um, so if you follow these guidelines and reviewers aren't going to be like, oh, where's this? This, 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 this thing's missing. So check it out. Um, uh, it's, it's, uh, I mean, it's more, it's, it's, Used a lot more in the biomedical sciences, but it is also, I think, within psychology as well. Because you have, a, you you, are, you you're within organisational psychology. Yeah. Is, that, is that correct? Yeah. yeah.
1: Management.
0: Um, the APA has one called the Mars guidelines. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I'm I'm not sure how. I think they're very similar to PRISMA. But the Mars guidelines, I think, meta-analysis reporting something. Um, and that basically goes through and shows you th- these are the best ways or th- this is what you should be doing when it comes to when it comes to reporting meta-analysis. Um, it just gives some structure as well.
1: Yeah, definitely. It's very helpful because at first when I started doing it, I, I wasn't sure like what's first, what's next? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, with it, I mean it's a li- it's a little similar to just running a simple regression, but there are so many tests that you have to do. Right. Yeah,
0: it it is. It does share a lot of similarities to to, to regressions. Um, but um, but yeah, and I mean, just ha- have a look through and see how other people are reporting their meta analyses as well. Um, you, you have to, you know, re- report some st- report stuff like study heterogeneity, um, the I statistic, the, the um, the Q values, all all that kind of stuff. Um, but then you can actually look at these examples and see this is what other people are reporting, and then try um. Try, try and get as close as possible to that. But you know what? Uh, the, the other thing is it, it's so- A lot of people are like, oh, you know, I'm working on this. I'm working on that. Um, I want to make this perfect. But the thing is you're never going to guess what reviewers are going are gonna to do or say. You, you could write the most perfect meta-analysis and you're still going to have a reviewer going, have you considered this? Yeah. <laughs> so, get it to the point that you're happy with and then submit because you're going to have to change your meta-analysis. I mean, you're going to have to change your interpretation. They, they, reviewers may suggest to do additional stuff as well.
1: That's true. Thank you so much.
0: <laughs> no worries. Uh good luck with your meta analysis and uh any other questions just um just shoot me an email.
1: Sounds great. I really appreciate it.
0: That's fine. That's fine. But uh but yeah, thanks again and uh, uh we'll be in contact.
1: Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll look um on YouTube and your f- podcast for more um stuff of yours.
0: <laughs> cool. Are you on, are you on Twitter as well?
1: Uh I have a Twitter, but I don't use it. But I was okay. to using-
0: <laughs> Check it out because there, there's a lot of there's a lot of talk about meta analysis on on Twitter. Um, the, the the developer of um, Metaphor is on Twitter. The developer of another great meta analysis um, package is also also on Twitter as well. And there's a whole, there's a massive community of people talking meta analysis. Huh. Um, so I would definitely recommend, um, especially as a student. Um, yeah. uh, I learned so much stuff with statistics just by Twitter. So um, I would recommend to uh, to, to ju- jump back on.
1: Yeah, I will do that. Thanks so much. <laughs> all right. <I'll laughs> have a good, have a good rest of the day. Thanks. Bye-bye.
0: So bye. Yeah. Bye-bye. That's all for today's episode of Physiology and Behavior with Dan Quintana. I hope you liked it. And if you did like it, I would really appreciate it if you were to post a link to the episode on Twitter. My name is at DS Quintana. Or you can also post it to, to Facebook. And you can find me on Facebook as well. Uh, just check out the links in the the show notes uh if you're into video if you're on instagram or if you're on youtube i also post some of the episodes on those sites there so check out the show notes if you have any questions please let me know the best way to get into contact is to message me over twitter via dm at dsquintana. bye for now